Welcome to Mainstream Modular, a podcast presented by Gurdon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mainstream Modular, a podcast from Gurdon Modular. I'm Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. Thrilled to have you along with us. Today, we're talking the here and now of modular construction, and we're going to be doing that with Tom Hardiman. He is the executive director at, Mo- at the Modular Building Institute. Tom, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks, Tyler. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. We are thrilled to have you to dive into the current state of the modular uh, construction industry. There's just so much going on and so much we can discuss. We're also going to dive a little bit into the world of modular show as well. So much to discuss here on this upcoming episode. For those of you who are joining us live right here, right now, as we do this episode, you can drop questions in that question and comment section there on the right-hand side of your screen. They'll pass that along to uh, myself and Tom, and we'll try to answer as many questions as we can from the audience as well. So drop those questions in. If you want to know something from Tom, drop it in that question then comment section there. Only softballs though, please. Uh, we, we ask uh, only softball questions. That's just a joke. But we do want to welcome all of you uh, out in the audience to the podcast here today. Tom, for those who might not be quite as familiar with, with who you are and your work at the Modular Building Institute, give us a little bit of background on your role there and, and what your day-to-day kind of looks like. Sure. Uh, thanks again, Tyler. Um, Tom Hardiman, I'm the executive director here at the Modular Building Institute. Uh, I've been the director here since 2004, so a little over 18 years. Uh, so a lot of uh, history. You've seen a lot of things happen over that time, and we'll get into some of that, I'm sure. Uh, but the Modular Building Institute is the uh, international nonprofit trade association for the modular construction industry. Uh, we've got about uh, 450 member companies that belong to our organization, including uh, uh, Gurdon. Um, so thanks to them for, for having me on their show. Um, and those companies are primarily in the U.S. and Canada, but we do have about 25 members in Europe and a half a dozen in South America and just really a global organization. So um, great organization. It's, it's really grown in size over since, since I've been here. And, and again, I'm sure we'll get into some of these, uh, these details, but basically we're the um, information portal or hub for anybody that wants any information on modular construction. Excellent, excellent stuff. So, yeah, you, you you brought it up a couple of times there, and we, we, we do really want to talk about how the industry has grown and, and progressed over the last several years here on the podcast today. But but first, Tom, just give us the lay of the land as things stand right now. Give us the current state of the modular building and um, uh, the modular construction industry, let's say. Well, if, if I'm being presidential, I'll say the state of the industry is strong. Um, <laughs> everyone I've talked to said they are extremely busy. Um one of the busiest years they've had in a long time, if not the busiest year. So things are rolling right along, Tyler. That's that's really excellent to hear. And I suppose if things are rolling right along, then and things are as strong as they've ever been, then a good follow-up question might be just how far things have come then, in just even in your time that you've been there at the Modular Building Institute. How have you seen things grow and progress in this particular industry so that you can sit here and say that the state of the industry is strong today? Okay, well, I'll try to give you the quick version. Uh, when I first started in uh, 2004, we were a very uh, isolated or siloed industry. Um, it was either modular projects or site built. Um, and that's that's the way it was really probably for the first 10 years I was here. Um, we had our issues and we had our, our, our wins and our losses. But over the past five, six, seven years, we've really seen a dramatic change, uh, primarily uh, in that we're, we're becoming more integrated with the traditional construction industry. And by that, I mean um, 
we have more owners that are joining the organization, developers, uh, architects, contractors, and, and engineers that are now members of the organization. Um, and we're seeing more projects that are what a lot of people would call hybrid. So there's site built portions, there's modular or offsite portions, but we're becoming part of the construction industry rather than being siloed from it. And as a result, our membership has doubled over the past five years. The industry market share has doubled over the past five years. So it's uh, we're really seeing a significant, uh, I wouldn't even say, I mean, it's a trend, but it's going to continue. What are some of the primary drivers, do you think, of, of this growth that you're seeing? Are, are there factors that are kind of helping propel the industry forward right now? Absolutely. Um, in the past, um, I, I think most people that looked into modular construction probably understood the benefits or the advantages of it. But status quo was a very difficult beast to overcome. Mm. Construction industry is not great about embracing change. Um, and a lot of companies just simply didn't want to learn a new or better way to build. So, you know, we, we kind of hit the ceiling there several times. But again, within this last five years or so, I think the combination of um, a shortage of skilled construction labor, carpenters, electricians, plumbers, tile workers, everybody, it's hard to find them, coupled with this uh, massive pent-up demand for uh, infrastructure and particularly housing, affordable housing, so you've got lower labor um, availability and higher demands. Um, that has really caused a lot of uh, developers and, and government agencies to say, how are we going to build everything that needs to be built, not only in this country, but globally? And it's really forced them to look at offsite, industrialized, modular, other construction processes. Um, and I think that's where we started to see the gain. More acceptance from the developer and architect community to embrace uh, modular construction. That's really been the dynamic that's changed it. And then once once they successfully implement a modular project, um, it's like that saying, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. Hey, we this project was completed eight months sooner than if it was site built. This project uh, saved us money or um, much less material waste. It's hard for a developer to go back to site built construction after they've realized some of those benefits. And Tyler looks like, I don't know if you can hear me or not, but uh, looks like you had a few little background issues there. Are we okay? <laughs> we are all good, Tom. We are okay. all good. So, Sorry about no, that. No, you're, you're good. So, you know, you raised some really good points there. And, and I think that's a great point that sometimes people just need to get to see and experience something working for themselves right before they will fully trust it. But now with, with more and more projects, you're right, it does feel like, the, the stone is starting to roll downhill a little bit. Right. and Or the, as you said, the toothpaste is out of the tube and there's just no getting it back in there at that point. That This is only going to pick up steam, it seems, as more and more people see the impact and see the benefits that Modular can provide. Yeah, I, I th I'm, I'm convinced it will because the, the labor shortage is not improving. The housing uh, demand is not getting any better. We're falling behind every year here in the U.S. on uh, particularly on affordable housing inventory. So, um, and this this couple other components, there are more and more consumers that are putting an emphasis on sustainable construction practices. And historically, the construction industry has been abysmal uh, mm -hmm. about waste. Um, and, and more and more people are taking that seriously and saying, we can't keep sending, you know, for an average 2,000 square foot home, we send four tons of waste to the landfill, which is ridiculous. 
Uh, so utilizing modular and industrialized construction, that'll greatly minimize the waste that's going to our landfill. And that's, that too is a kind of points people towards, towards our process. That's a really good point. Is that an, is that an underpublicized aspect of modular, the sustainability aspect? I know more and more companies and more people just in general have sustainability goals and, and missions. And, and especially as we sit here and discuss this in 2022, it, it makes a lot of sense that, that a more sustainable way of building will grow in popularity. Is that something that you foresee happening as, as we continue to move into the future? Oh, absolutely. You know, there's more, um, really, governments are requiring you know, higher energy efficiency in, in homes and buildings, um, less material waste. So companies are going to be mandated towards these goals. Um, and the companies that embrace industrialized modular offsite are going to be much further ahead of the curve than the ones who wait until they're forced to meet these requirements and have a you know much steeper uh, ramp to, to accelerate. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely trending in that direction, and and uh, the the tighter building envelopes, the greater energy efficiency, the less waste, all of those things again um, lead people away from conventional site built construction. You talked about how uh, perception is changing quite a bit of about the industry in general, and um, people just seeing the impact and the benefits of, of modular. But are there still misconceptions that you run into from time to time that? prevent people uh, from going with a modular option or, or just general misconceptions that, that exist about modular construction that, that should probably be corrected? There are, and, and there are um, you know, some legitimate barriers to adoption as well. Mm -hmm. uh, but some of those uh, misconceptions, again, when going back to you know my first 10 years or so, a lot of what we heard was, uh, well, this is, uh, this is a cheaper, this is lower quality, this is lower cost. It's not as good. It's going to fall apart on you. I don't hear that anymore, uh, probably because the opposite is true. It's higher degree of quality control, uh, a better uh, finished product. So we don't hear that quality uh, knock anymore, if you will. There is still, um, I, I would say, a misunderstanding about the cost. Uh, some people think it's cheaper than conventional construction. And I would uh, just caution that there's a lot of things that go into the cost of a building, uh, local labor rates, material rates, local labor availability, uh, the experience of the team, so many things that I don't think it's accurate to make a blanket statement that modular is cheaper. Um, that said, there are significant time savings, uh, labor efficiencies, things that should lead to uh, lower construction costs if you do it right. So uh, that it's cheaper and it's lower quality, definitely a knock that I think we've dispelled by this point. Hmm. Um, and there are, there are some, um, well, let's just say political challenges. Um, if, you're, if you're building a project in California and some of the work is being shipped to a factory in say Utah or Colorado, local politicians or, or local labor groups don't particularly like that. So the, the more our market share grows, we're, we're finding that uh, we're getting opposition from some of these groups, um, to which we say this, again, is a more efficient way to, to, to construct. We're not doing the entire project. Typically, half of the construction project's value is off-site. The other half is still site-related. So there's plenty of opportunity for, for local labor on any given project. Um, so there's there's just such huge needs right now that I don't think we need to be fighting over 
projects. We all need to be you know, working together to, to meet these needs. When it comes to, to projects in the future, what, what do you hope people think through or um, what, uh, how, how can you encourage people to think through the, the decision of whether or not they're going to go with stick built or with modular construction? How, how would you encourage people to think through that decision for themselves in the future? I would encourage and hope that uh, every owner or contractor or architect starts first with, um, can this project, can any part of this project be prefabricated offsite? Mm-hmm. Whether that's the uh, mechanical, electrical, plumbing, you know, sub-assemblies, a bathroom pod, head walls for hospitals, or the whole building. Start there first. What portion of this can we move to a secondary construction site so that we have two construction sites operating concurrently? If they start with that, then your architect and your owner and your engineer can, can break that down and say, this is a great ideal project for modular construction, or maybe this part is, but this part needs to be site built. So start first with what can be prefabricated offsite, um, and then let the conversation go from there. I would highly encourage everyone, um, you know, talk to factories, uh, talk to their clients, see case studies, because not all modular companies are equal. Um, some are very good at doing multifamily projects. Some have never done a multifamily project, for example. Um, so you may not want to be the guinea pig for that company. Um, talk to some people who've, who've, who've done the type of project you're looking for. Um, and then the critical thing on any modular project is that it really requires a lot of upfront communication and coordination. You know, those scoping conversations are critical. Who is doing what, where, and when before we start this project? (laughs) Sounds like common sense, but um, you don't want to get halfway through the project and say, wait a second, the architect wants to put the bathroom on the other side of the room, and and the factory says, we've already built 100 of these. You know, it's that fast. Um, So have those conversations early. That's some, that's some excellent advice. Uh, have those conversations early. Save yourself some headaches uh, down the road for sure. So, Tom, let's pivot a little bit and talk about the World of Modular show coming up in April. Tell us a little bit about the work that you've done there at MBI to really turn this show into a can't-miss event for the modular industry. Yeah, this is our, our industry's biggest uh, show. We literally get people from all over the world. The cool thing about our industry is we've got companies from Korea and Australia and Europe and, and it's, you see a lot of similarities in, in the challenges they're having and in the projects they're doing. It's modular is kind of modular all over the world. Um, but we've got a uh, great opportunity for our own industry to really learn best practices from people that have done this in other parts of the world. We've got an engineer coming from England that just um, worked on a 44-story modular project, which is the tallest modular building in the world. We've got uh, engineers who worked on um, a project in Korea coming to talk about a four-story relocatable uh, hotel. So, I mean, you start to think, how is a four-story hotel relocatable? They're going to tell us how at the conference. Um, we, we get a, generally about 1,000 attendees at this. So the show is, it's not huge, but everyone from the industry is there. All the decision makers, owners, the networking's fantastic. But to me, the most important thing about this show 
Um, there's a lot of, um, you know, prefab and, and modular shows happening now because it's, you know, a popular topic these days. Um, all of the proceeds from our show get reinvested back into our industry. So we use the money for additional professional development, for additional marketing, for lobbying, uh, for issue advocacy. No other show can say that. So um, it's our industry show. The industry sets the agenda. The industry speakers are there. The industry shows up and the money stays in the industry. I think that's that's really well put and a fantastic thing and and obviously an exciting event uh, for the industry and, and you know it strikes me that the last two years have been difficult to hold events like this so mm -hmm. how important is it to be able to get so many stakeholders from the industry all in the same room together just to be able to shake hands and talk face to face about what they're seeing and and what the industry is going through and dealing with it at any particular time. Yeah, there, there's a real uh, buzz and excitement about this upcoming conference. We're going to be in San Antonio at the La Quintero Resort, beautiful property. So we always do them at nice places too. You know, we like to have a little fun with all the business we're doing. We didn't get to do an in-person meeting last year. Now in 2020, we did. We finished the Friday before the world shut down. So we just got it in in 2020. So we were fortunate. 2021, it was all virtual. We had 1,300 attendees, which was our biggest crowd, but it, it was lacking something. The, the, the great thing about this show is, like you say, you can shake hands with people you haven't seen in a year and uh, catch up with friends in the industry. Um, it, it's going to be a great show, and uh, I'm just we've got a super lineup of speakers. Um, here's the challenge. Uh, we're about sold out of this show, so if you're interested in coming and you're listening right now, Breaking news, we legitimately have like 30 spots available before we sell out. That's it. <laughs> uh, then we are going to do a digital portion. But, you know, again, uh, if you want to come in person, literally go register when you get off this, uh, this, this show. Yeah, the, the, the website is worldofmodular.org. The date's April 25th through the 28th here in 2022, so you don't want to miss uh, miss that event. Uh, Tom, I believe we have a question from the audience. This is from Rich Pietrafesa. Uh, Rich, I hope I got your last name somewhat close. But uh, the, the question is, the problem is getting contractors who will credit you enough to use Modular. They're also afraid of it that they will hedge pricing. How can you help solve this? Yeah, that's a great question. And, and Rich sounds like he's dug into that a little bit. Um, <laughs> I've heard that from some companies. So um, the owner hires a GC, the GC finds a modular manufacturer. Um, maybe that modular manufacturer can provide uh, essentially the same product at a lower cost than all the GC's combined subs. Does that GC just keep that margin and then, you know, continue to do business with the owner? Does that cost savings get passed along? And sometimes we, we are finding to Rich's point that the GCs love it because they're like, that's more margin for them. Um, ideally that would get passed along to the overall cost of the, uh, the project so that the owner wants to do more. The owner sees a little bit of those savings. Um, it's a great question. Um, I think it really gets down to, um, the procurement process. Uh, if it's a design, bid, build project, the modular company's coming in way too late in the game. Uh, you need to get that modular company rep in the room, in the planning conversations with the architect, with the owner, with the GC, and just have really candid conversations. Like we can, we can all make money on this project and we can bring it in below budget and uh, ahead of schedule. 
unfortunately, Rich is right. Sometimes someone kind of keeps a little bit bigger piece of that pie for themselves, and uh, that doesn't help. But um, early conversations, again, um, some people have talked about a, a procurement model, you know, integrated project delivery where everyone's kind of sharing in that uh, in the success of the project. Haven't seen a lot of that implemented, but that may be a way to go. Um, but certainly uh, bring all those players to the table at the beginning of the project. Really, really well put. And great question, Rich. Thank you yeah, so much for, for reaching out with, with that question. If people have more questions, uh, feel free to submit those here as we are starting to come towards the end of our conversation here today. So if you do have a question, if something's been on your mind and you've been going back and forth on whether or not to submit it, send it our way and uh, we'll, we'll try to squeeze it in here before we wrap things up today. Rich uh, Rich asked a, a fantastic question. And, you know, Tom, before we, we sign off today, you know, we've talked a lot about the present. And obviously today's, you know, today's podcast is called you know, modular construction, and we're looking at the here and now. But mm -hmm. take me into the future. Where do you see the industry going over the next five years, especially just with all the growth you're currently seeing? Yeah, and, you know, keep in mind, I'm the spokesperson for the industry, so I'm going to say <laughs> great and glowing things about us. But um, as an observer of, of business models, just in general, I, I literally am so excited about this industry. I feel like we are currently witnessing the evolution of the construction industry and, and modular and all these new forms of, not new forms, all these forms of construction are kind of at the forefront of it. I'm convinced the market share is going to at least double in the next five years and, and accelerate beyond that. But um, right now, someone, if someone said, what is the typical business model for this industry? It's hard to answer because there's four or five different business models emerging simultaneously. We have developers that are opening their own factories. We have factories that are doing their own developments. We have GCs that are opening, you know, modular divisions. Everyone's trying to find their footing, and, and I'm not suggesting there is one right answer, but it's just really exciting to see so much innovation and activity in this space right now. And um, I'm, I'm not planning on going anywhere unless, you know, somebody drags me out of here kicking and screaming. I think it's a great industry and extremely fortunate that I've been involved, to, been allowed to make a living in this industry. That's fantastic stuff, and I, I think a, a fabulous answer. Um, uh, you know, as as we begin to to wrap up this conversation here today, Tom, uh, do you have any final thoughts? Anything you want to leave people with here on um, you know the the topic of of the current state of the modular building industry, modular construction industry? Any final thoughts? Anything you want to leave people with, uh, or, or hope that they walk away understanding after after checking out this episode? Yeah, it's, you know, we're not without our challenges. I don't want to make it sound like everything's, you know, uh, mm -hmm. roses. Um, we have labor issues. Uh, there are capacity issues. Some factories are booked out for the next year, uh, year and a half. Uh, so we need more companies uh, participating in this space. We, we need more factories uh, to open up in this space. Um, so I, I would say if you're interested in this, modular.org, is there's a ton of case studies, resources, white papers there. Most of those are free. Um, if you need help, uh, you know, identifying who's the right modular manufacturer for me or the right contractor, we can do some matchmaking for you or at least give you a short list of companies in your region. Um, and then once you once you have that team in place, you know, it, 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 the successful companies seem to be the ones that do repeat business. Um, you know, this is our third, fourth, fifth, sixth project together as a team uh, versus I tried that once 10 years ago and it didn't work, so I gave up on it. Um, so if, if you're one of those people,
Try it again. Look at it again. A lot's changed in the last 10 years. Really, really well put. Tom, uh, you mentioned modular.org, and we've also talked about worldofmodular.org. Anywhere else that people should go uh, to get in touch with you if, you if they have questions, if they want to learn more about the industry and learn more about, about uh, what the Modular Building Institute does? Sure. The, the easy way, I'm, I'm still an email kind of guy, tom at modular.org. So that's my email if anyone has a question or comment or wants to shoot me some, you know, really cool stories or case studies. Uh, I'm always interested in talking about the industry. There you go, Tom at modular.org if you want to get in touch. Tom Hardiman, Executive Director at the Modular Building Institute. Tom, thank you so much for joining us here on Mainstream Modular by Gurdon and, uh, and sharing some, uh, some insights about just the here and now of the modular in, uh, industry. It's been a pleasure having you on. Thanks, Tyler, and thanks again to Gurdon for, uh, for having me. Absolutely. Huge thanks to Gurdon here for sponsoring today's episode. We appreciate all of you joining us here today very, very much. Of course, for more episodes, make sure to go uh, subscribe to Mainstream Modular on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Or, of course, you can go to Gurdon's website to learn more about everything that they do as well. And stay tuned. We'll be back soon with more episodes just like this, with more thought leaders and more people from the, uh, the modular construction industry uh, coming up here very, very soon. But for this one, for my guest today, Tom Hardiman, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks for joining us. Join us.